Dear Auntie Kess, it was wonderful to see you and far too brief. You have a rare gift for making an appearance. I have no doubt your surprise evening visit to the family house will be the talk of our dinners for days to come. It was kind of you to offer to help the little one with his family drama, although it seems like he is an industrious fellow, and with his burly friend, I think they'll be formidable even without your guidance. I also want to thank you for entertaining the group while I spoke to my temple elder. It was a useful conversation, and I'm sorry I didn't get the chance to explain it to you in person, but I'm afraid it was rather urgent, as much as strange dreams can be considered urgent. The elder didn't seem to think so at first, but I do believe I convinced him that they are significant and not a case of overzealousness. I can't say I was the most sincere believer when I joined my order, but my travels in the wilds have shown me there are true mysteries in the world. I suppose I understand a bit better now why you've spent all these many years in the field. Maybe we'll even cross paths out there someday. It's nice to imagine. Yours, Aster. Welcome to the Children of Ash, a real play RPG podcast where we tell stories about the world after the world. I'm Dylan, your storyteller and game master for the evening, and surrounding us is our table of players. Say hi, everyone. Hello. Hi, everyone. <laughs> hi, I'm Jesse. I play Wayland. He is your average, humble boy genius adventurer. Um, the factoid for the day is that, well, I don't remember if I already told you guys this one. Waylon always has a little notebook on him. He tells himself that it's to keep scientific notes, journal, and things like that. But truly, the only thing he ever makes notes on is his grudges and things that he wishes that he had said in the moment after the fact. So it's his little book of grudges and his little book of, you know, afterwit retorts. Had we heard about his book of grudges before? Do you remember the Book of Grudges, but uh, not some of the additional embellishments on that? All right. I think it stands. Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm Josh. I play Derek Henridge, a uh, 
Bookworm and Scholar, uh, originally from Arches, uh, recently returned back home. Today's fact about Derek, uh, anyone who's been around him for any length of time knows he keeps a notebook with him where he records absolutely everything that happens to him. But what you may not know is that he has a second notebook uh, continually strapped to the small of his back. It's very small. Um, and it was a gift from his father when he was eight. It was his very first adventuring notebook uh, that he has kept with him as a keepsake ever since his parents uh, were lost to him when he was uh, just a young child. Uh, hey guys, uh, my name's Peter. My character is David Davidson, uh, a very quiet, stoic fighter from the deep north. Um, and... A uh, little fact about him, he uh, he's very particular about how clean and sharp his great sword is, um, much like how I am with how clean my windshield has to be in my car. That must have been a struggle in Iceland. Actually, you didn't have a car in Iceland, I did, did not. you? It was great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Juliet. Uh, my character is Aster Morestes, born and raised in Arches. They are a... Uh, Charming and diplomatic member of the Order of Dianthus, which is definitely not a cult. And their fun fact is that before their mission, they had never left the city. Hey everyone, uh, I'm Valentin. I play Rez. Rez is a twenty-something, uh, early twenty-somethings kid from both the provinces south of Arches and Time with Yoka. And a fact about him is that he has a small black disc that you may see him playing with at times, flipping over his fingers. And if you were to get your hands on it, you'd find that it's always colder than you would expect it to be. Hmm. Interesting. Valentin, just as a note, I think we might be hearing you from the wrong mic. Uh, it sounds okay to me. Yeah? Okay. Maybe it's just me. Um I have been listening to all of your voices constantly the last couple days. That's uh, not going to make me self-conscious at all. Yeah, not at all. I'm going to start lowering my voice and trying to deliver an 11-year-old's dialogue like this. Yeah. Oh, no, everyone is fine. I'm the problem. If anyone here is a problem, it is me and my voice. <laughs> uh, which hopefully I will have fixed for next session when I actually have a proper uh, mic stand and the mic is closer to me and I can give you that nice, sweet broadcast radio voice. That really sinister at the end there. <laughs> yeah. Like it started off as like, you know, ASMR and then was like saw by the end of it. <laughs> yeah, it got a little murdery towards the end. <laughs> In the middle, it was Batman. <laughs> you know, it, at the end, it's funny. I never realized how close these things are. It's like it could have been a little bit murdery, or it could have been a little bit seductive. And oh, the yeah. fact that those things are not discernible is <laughs> telling and troubling. Thread the needle on that. I mean, isn't that why everyone it's, loves Batman? It's like, oh, he, he's such a seductive murder man. He says he doesn't kill anybody, he just lets them fall to their death. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is the second the second week in a row where we've critiqued Batman Begins. Yep, yep. Just get a blood pressure monitor on me right now. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, oh, 
With that, let us begin. As I recall, last session ended with us finding you all making your way down the steps of Prism House, otherwise known as the Prismatic Palace, wandering into a public park that faces the back of the Order of Dianthus's headquarters. One of the more beautiful parks in the city, especially considering it's on the shore, one of the less uh, less well-put-together neighborhoods, shall we say. There are well-tended uh, hedges on either side, a fountain a little bit down the ways. And as you all walk down through these gardens, what do you do? What do you say? What's going on? Rez looks visibly agitated and see- can't seem to wait to put a little bit of distance between uh, between the group and the palace. If I were to do a... If Waylon was to do a head count of everybody there, would we all be there? I mean, is, is Kess still there? Yeah, Kess is, Kess is there. She's trailing around. Looks back a bit at the at the house. Seems tad distracted, but you're all there. Okay. I uh I look like I'm about ready to speak up and Alright, you guys are not gonna guess what I just overheard in there. There is something going down. I saw the sister of that fuck of a dean who tried to kill me. He was in there talking with, I don't know, one of the head honchos. I can't remember what what her name was, but they said something about the solstice. It sounded it sounded dark, like something's going down. Aster, how how far away is the solstice? Where are we now? You'd know that sort of thing, being in the cup the in the uh, uh, order. I would, wouldn't I? And yet. Hey Dylan, how how far away is the solstice? So, it is currently May thirty first. Here's two forty three. Uh, it's about midday. The solstice, for those of you who uh, don't follow these kinds of uh, events, is around June twenty first. So you've got about three weeks. So when when is it? About three weeks. All right. I don't know if I want to be around when that happens, or if I feel like I have to be. This is freaky. You care to elaborate a little bit there? Uh, Haven't I, have I not told you? My God, so much has happened. Dean Schmidt tried to kill me, a bunch of my friends, and David here. And since then, that's why I've been hiding out. That's why I've been underground. That's why I've been keeping my head down. And now his sister pops up talking about big plans in a few weeks. Oh dear. I don't like it. Rez, right there, as you're saying this, looking at the entire party behind them, you see uh, an older man kind of running, running around the park behind, looking distressed, uh, kind of looking back over his shoulder. Uh, And then 
looks over and sees you noticing him and just kind of glances back. You see behind him, on the far side of the uh, of the park, are a few peace wardens. And then he just starts bolting towards you. What does this guy look like? I mean, you said he was an old fella, but is he like richly dressed, poorly dressed, carrying a machete, you know? Does he look like a dean? <laughs> yes. Like his name could be Dean. Tristan, would you like to uh, describe your character? Hey! Hey! hey. Hello! Welcome back! Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so... Um, he's um, dressed poorly. He's an old Asian man wearing a pair of glasses with thin frames. Uh, with the shape of the lenses in oval shape. Uh, he wears an old hat on top of his head, and his clothes is really like old, worn clothes, uh, clearly made to protect against uh, the weather, probably against rain, to be honest. Um, as you approach, you can see clearly his hair is almost fully white, he has a full beard, and he has uh, well-defined eyes brown and high cheekbones. I feel like you're working off an illustration that is very descriptive. I like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to make up for the last time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, podcast listeners, this is an old friend who joined us for the last couple uh, sessions of our pregame that we had at the end of last year. The player, not the character. <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on, so I kind of sidle up close to Mr. Pushka and just kind of like put my arm on him, just bracing. And I'm looking at Kess for, you know, a, a prompt on what to do. Uh, she looks down at you and up the man and is... <clears throat> See, I gotta shit. I gotta get into her character a little bit more. I know her accent was very specific. Yeah. Uh, very specific. It was an old yid. What's so hard about that? Uh, honestly, the f- thing is that every time I do an accent, I s- somehow either end up going full Scotsman or I end up going a uh, sweet Southerner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Neither of which sound like Yiddish grandmother. Yeah. No. 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 That's it. This. Even though I've probably spent well, more time around place. Yiddish grandmothers. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, she she looks down at you, uh, and I'm going to take some time getting into this accent, so I apologize, it's not going to start off right, uh, but back at the man, uh, is there, is there something we can help you with? Help me, the, the, the walking man, the, peace, peace warden? The trolls, yeah, what about them? I've been accused. Uh, I didn't do nothing. Help me. Uh, please. Uh, accused of what? Uh, they, they say I stole. But it's mine. It's, it's mine. Please. Cass just kind of looks at the rest of you. Eyebrows raised a bit. Davith steps behind him to kind of put himself in between 
like the group and these approaching wardens. How far away are the wardens? Give me a perception check, real quick. <laughs> oh wait, no, that's not a one. That's a seven. All right, it's not as bad as I thought. Um, ten. All right. So they're maybe 150, 200 feet. They're on the other side of the park. You can't tell what they're doing with the ten. They do appear to be busy doing something, but you can't tell if they are chatting and looking at something on the ground or, you know, looking for someone or just doing their thing or, yeah, you cannot tell anything about them. I slap this guy on the back and I say, all right, just walk with us. Just breathe. Don't look at them. Pretend pretend you've been with us this whole time. Just walk. Davith walks in the back of the group, hopefully with his stature blocking most of little camouflage there. Yeah, uh, I kind of nudge Mr. Pushka and say, you maybe walk between us so that the uh, the trolls don't see us. Now, what's your name, sir? And what is it they're saying you took? M- my friends call me Mr. K. It's short for Kevin. Sorry. Uh, they... It's uh, a family heirloom. Uh, it's, an, it's an old dagger, you see. And um, this man, uh, okay, Mr. Callahan, uh, he, he saw me and he told me that there's no way someone like me could possess something like this. So he, he said that I stole it. But. It's the only thing left for my family. I oh dear. Think, you're, uh, think it's too good for you, huh? Well, fuck them. Just walk with us. Callahan. Cass says. Isn't. Turns to uh, turns to the rest of you. It... Isn't the that the captain from the tavern? My God, I think you're right. Oh dear. DM suddenly dropping a few connections. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's useful to control a player character, isn't it? God, I hate it. Uh, <laughs> so, I kind of look around at our very conspicuous group and just go, what are the odds that he wouldn't recognize us? Oh dear. We should probably get out of here. Just walk, don't run. Derek is... Uh, fighting every impulse to run very quickly and conspicuously. Sounds like maybe you should make a wisdom save then. Oh, that's that's my strong point. <laughs> he says knowing it's not his strong point. Um well that's a first, I think. Um that's a zero. <laughs> well, does that mean you run or you fall? As Rez says this, don't run. You you feel building up in you this just this this panic, this fight or flight response. Yep. And before you really know what's happening, your legs are carrying you swiftly across the park. Part of me wants to say give me a stealth or some role, but I think you don't get one. I think that uh, they just get a perception check. That's fair. 
Actually, what I will say is that uh, against that perception check, Rez or Wayland, give me, I guess you give me the stealth check. This is to kind of position Mr. Pushka or, actually it's not Rez, it's, sorry, it's, it's um, David. It's David. Yeah. So yeah. one of you two roll uh, okay. with advantage or you both roll without advantage. It's up to you. Do you want to both roll with that? Both roll, both roll, uh, more exciting. Okay. Yeah. 16. Uh, 16. <laughs> oh, who's my big sneaky boys? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you people showing off with your decent dice rolls. You remember every other dice roll I've gotten in this game? <laughs> Fair. Well, they, uh, they rolled a 13, so. Okay. As Derek begins to panic and just start bolting, the two of you close ranks and just block. David, as you uh, as as you and Mr. Pushka do this, look over your shoulder at the guards, and you can see them, and they they noticed Derek running. They turn and they're suddenly paying attention, but they can't see him anymore behind you two. You can see them trying to angle their head to see what's going on, but without being able to properly see, turn their attention away from you again. Davith is scanning kind of like over the group or ahead of the group to figure out like where's a where's a good alleyway to duck down or the or the next turn or like what's going to be the quickest way walking for us to just make a move like a turn or something and then just disappear from this open space where people can see it or where they can see us. Kess jumps ahead a little bit with surprising uh, agility considering her, her age and frankly trunk-like stature and reaches Derek. Derek, you can you feel a, a hand on your shoulder gently and then a little bit, a little bit of strength pulls you back, slows you down. Hey, thank you, Kess. You, you okay there? Uh, it's just, uh, had flashbacks to the, the tavern and... No, no, no. Calm. I, Calm. Just... Thank you. She kind of takes a look back at the rest of the party. Why don't we hit the first exit and get on the other side of, hopefully, a wall. Uh, yeah, something else. outside of the park. Mm-hmm. Aster, what are you up to? Haven't heard from you in a bit. I am observing and following the group and I think I'm still pretty much like absorbed in my own head um, after the conversation that I that I had in in the prism house. I am so done with this bullshit town and these bullshit trolls and all these conspiracies. Like, how do we get out of town? We just let's let's just go find your father, Wayland. Waylon doesn't say anything, he just sighs deeply, kind of walks up next to Derek, and just like, gets like one shoulder in front of him, just in case he tries to bolt again, and it's like, that's, we got what we need, we can, we can just go. Yes, getting out of town for a bit seems like our, uh, a, a wise plan. Uh, I'm, I may know a way uh, out of town, um. That's okay. You don't have to come. Just, just walk with us for now. Tell us about it later. 
I look at Mr. K, like, where's safe for you? Uh, no. Well, I don't, I don't know much about Callahan, but anywhere you can go, I'm, I, don't th- I don't think I'll be safe. Well, Callahan only has jurisdiction over... He has a specific neighborhood on the shore. Yeah. Um, like all the captains of the Peace Wardens, uh, they all have neighborhoods that really aren't more than uh, a couple blocks, frankly. And uh, operating outside of that in another Peace Warden captain's territory is a little bit like a gang operating inside another gang's territory. There's a lot of politics to it. It does happen, but there's a lot of politics to it. Isn't that happening right now? Aren't we on one of the bridges? You are not on one of the bridges. You're on the shore. Oh, I mm-hmm. thought I thought the prism. I was yeah, mistaken about where the the prism was. Yeah. yeah, it was it was across the bridge. You went back to the the same area of arches you had been in. Um, although whether or not this falls under his jurisdiction is little. You're not totally sure. It isn't exactly the same neighborhood, but it's not that far away. And then there is University Arch and Bridgetown, which are totally off limits for the Peace Wardens. They will, right? That will cause a major fight. So, uh, Mister K, if you don't mind me asking, um, what do you do when you're not being chased by the Peace Wardens? Um. Well. Me, me, and my my and my people. They, we um, we move merchandise uh, through the river. So, uh, if you want a way out, uh, uh, they can move us through the night. That might be expedient. And Wayland kind of like looks around at the adults, like. We do need to get out, and it was either rent the, some wagons or take a boat? No, 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 no. No, you wouldn't take wagons, Waylon. Uh, the, the river is definitely the safest route. So, you know, boats are good. I like boats. Rez's ears perked up and um, says to Mr. K in boat tongue, do you speak the language of the river? Of course I do. Ah. Then I trust you. Let's go. I swear by the river's run. I'll pay back your kindness. All right. Well. So where are you headed? Well, we got to duck out of view from these yeah. guys first. Yeah. 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 So we're having uh, a little of this conversation. Here. So I was imagining that you were saying this kind of as you were exiting the yeah. park from the opposite yeah. side. Okay, yeah, yeah, that too. Okay. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, as you, you exit from the, the river side, so it's, you're not too far from the river. Frankly, it's, it's big and sloshy, a uh, couple streets over, you can hear it. As you pass over onto the side of the park, um, looking back, you do see uh, a few uh, peace wardens ambling somewhat around the park but for the most part the far side you don't really see anybody over near you so yeah where are you off to kind of look at mr k and just go um lead the way 
they will only uh, move people in the nights, so we we need to hide uh, until then. Otherwise, during daylight, uh, peace warden they they see where where are your your boats located. I mean, which which bridge are they closest to? Mm. Which bridge? Bridgetown, frankly. So the southern bridge. That's where the Neoka always kind of tie up. That's where... First of all, that's where almost all the docks are. But as non-natives, that's where they'd probably be kept, too, to be perfectly frank. Without papers, going to have difficulty getting off of Bridgetown. I kind of look at Kess and, again, you know, the other adults. Uh, like, would it be safer to hide away in arches? But if we did that, then we'd have to walk back through this territory before we got to uh, to his boat. Or do we go down to Bridgetown and try to find another tavern to to wait out in, in until it's safe? Me and David have a place we've been staying. That uh, hiding out in a tavern didn't work so well last time. Second time's a charm, right? That that may have that may have just been the tavern. I'm there's lots of places around the city. I'm sure we can all gather around and find a drink if that's what we want. Me and David have a place we've been staying. It wouldn't arise too much suspicion if we went there. It's in Bridgetown. Oh, yes. Let's go there. Sounds good to me. I suppose. You okay with this, Mr. K? Yeah, yeah. Alright. Off to Bridgetown. Walking Smleet. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody want to give me a uh, roll for random encounter for the city? What do we roll? Just a d20. This is a longer route. Uh, I just rolled a 9. Okay. The 9... Things are generally fine. Which way would you like to go? Would you like to go uh, across the University Arch and then down and try to get out uh, of this side of the shore entirely? Or would you like to go the short route and go all the way down through the shore to the southernmost bridge to Bridgetown? Long route. Long route. All right. Well... With a nine, uh, you make it through, make it through the shore, kind of retracing your steps back to, back to University Arch. Pass under the giant stone gateway that signals your transition from public land to the university-run spaces. The guards there look you up and down, kind of give you a once-over, recognize the the emblem of Wayland, and look at the general demeanor of well, Derek specifically, and just assume you look fine, they let you through. You walk through the entirety of University Arch, past large, sprawling university buildings that built upon each other, climb over the side of the bridge, dangling down, you can see the river in a few spots through alleys. You get to the other side, pass through a similar great arch, 
onto the shore, onto a new, different shore, where hopefully nobody knows you, nobody's looking for you. Only a short walk from there, really, uh, through a bit of a shambled, not quite shantytown, but frankly, not all that much better. Clusters of small, rickety hovels and buildings that don't look like they've been well-kept, huddled around the shore. And finally, you make it to Bridgetown. Now, Bridgetown is, in many ways, the most eclectic of all of the bridges. Facing it, you can look up or you can look down. Looking up, you see the bridge itself rise before you to sail over the water that is the river. It is covered in wooden buildings, various natures. You see market stall after market stall after market stall. Further down, a tavern just poking out of the din. Beyond that, the great stone situation that is the Merchant's Guild Hall. And at the entrance to the bridge is a... It's not stone, but it is definitely a guard post of sorts. It isn't the high walls of University Arch, but there are people here who... They aren't really interested in folks entering the bridge, but everybody coming off. Everyone. They are pulling aside, interviewing, having a conversation with. Papers are being checked. And... Some are being turned away. Those who get turned away are typically taking the lower path, which goes down below the bridge. As you look, you can see there is a bit of a path that kind of winds around to the water's edge, and then almost from shore to shore, you can see boats, you can see docks, with buildings upon them, boats with buildings upon them. Things that you aren't sure whether they are docks or boats, just all roped up together, floating, shifting with the water. Uh, there are very clearly merchant vessels that are coming and going from this. Very, very active port, question mark? Where are you headed? That's a Rez and David kind of thing. I kind of look at them for pointers. The, I believe it was in the um, part of the bridge nearest the shore. You know, we never specified. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. I was like, shit, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't, why don't you tell me? We can do it that way. Right. It's, um, remind me to the... The bridges run north to south, right? Uh, east-west. East-west, okay. Yeah. Uh, and we were off of the east shore when we went to the tavern, right? You are coming on from... Shit. Uh, in my head, you are currently coming on from... Yeah, from the east shore. The tavern that you had been at and where, the, where Prism House is is on the west shore. This is my memory. This is where I intended to put it. Okay, that's, then that's where we yeah. are. Yeah. Audience member may find out that I uh, am contradicting myself, but that's fine. 
Yeah, it's just uh, it's a little place in a nondescript part of town. So I uh, I say to the group, it's it's off to the west, not too far from where we started. Sorry for taking us the long way, but I don't know. It seems safer. All right. You, you guys should probably lead the way. Let's go. We lead them to a, a little tavern called the Half Moon. And it's by the west foot of the bridge. It's not especially fancy. It's just somewhere that would put us up and ask no questions. Do we have to get by the sentries first? Or is this taking the lower route? Walking onto the bridge is the easy part. It's leaving that gets difficult. Oh. This is yeah. this is basically the customs holding center, among other things. Okay. Yeah. Which is part of the reason why it's such a crazy space. But uh, Rez and David, they lead you through the bridge past, well, I guess... I guess you are all natives, or you've already done this walk. So past all sorts of uh, market stalls, you can see men and women in leathers, brigandine leathers, with spears and shields patrolling up and down the bridge. These would be the Bridgetown Watch. These are the personal guard of the various families of the Merchants Guild who are required to effectively lease them to the bridge for protection. These are the local guard of the bridge. They don't really give you much notice, but as you as you walk through, you do notice Waylon. Their heads turning. Specifically turning to look at your friend, Mr. Pushka. Willen was actually hoping that this would be the one neighborhood where he wouldn't stand out, but looking around going, eh, still seven and a half feet tall. It's going to stand out. Yeah. Um, do they look like just curious or like they're going to start something? Give me an insight check. Okay. Oh, no, went too far. <laughs> Inside. Ooh, okay. Let's see how I can screw this one up. Twelve. It's hard to tell. Uh, there are some folks, very clearly, who are just curious. But then there are others that it's hard to tell if they're just curious or if they have other intentions. You can see a few guards clutch their spears a little bit closer as they pass. Or perhaps it's just your imagination. There are a few fat men with big coin purses in their hands, sitting by the merchant stalls, who seem to get a very special glint in their eye as they see this strange creature pass by. I start talking to him in, uh, you gotta help me with the pronunciation, Nordar... Nor, ah, Nordar. Thank you. I will not get that right the next time. Nothar? Did I did I get that right, uh, Peter? You know Icelandic a little better than I do. Uh, this uh, so that's the the D with the X, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nordurar. Yeah. So it's like yeah. a. It's like a D T H. I mean, yeah, yeah, like a D T H type sound. Yeah. It's like a D with a V. Yeah. It's it's the same sound that uh, David's uh, name ends in, as well as uh, is in the name of the world, Atumla. Um. 
although it is westernized to a DH. That just makes it worse the fact I'm going to get it wrong next time. <laughs> um, That's okay. Mispronounce it, it's fine. Well, Waylon has a terrible accent, but he starts speaking in Nodarad, um as loudly as he can, as if Mr. Pushka is a, a tourist and he's giving him a tour of the area. <laughs> what are you saying? I just... Um, you know, that is a very good question. So, uh, I kind of grab him by the hand and, and uh, point at the, uh, like, it's, I'm, like, what do you find interesting about this, this strange city of ours? And have you seen these? These are called apples, uh, going through the limited Nodarar that I have. And she's basically like, show me where the library is, you know, the monkey's on the table, kind of Nodarar. Give me a, uh... Oh god, what would this be even? I, I wanna I guess a performance check. <laughs> just for like how how good your your uh, linguistics are. Can I say Derek is amused by this and I'll whip out my logbook and sort of <laughs> gesture and point to a few things and uh, just play along and I'm I'm gonna help. Okay, okay. So I, I rolled a thirteen. Okay. David <laughs> Uh, How do you react to this mangling of your own language? <laughs> I mean, it's uh, like there's a, just the curl of a smile on my face. <laughs> but uh, but deep down, I'm happy that he's at least trying. Uh, knowing that these poor Southerners, like, they can't even roll their R's, you know. God, isn't that the truth? <laughs> All right. I dated a French girl for a year and couldn't pronounce her name right. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I guess the uh, the the lesson of tonight's episode is learn the language or don't date. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think we have an episode title. Yeah, episode five: learn the language or don't date. That's just it. And Waylon kind of looks at 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 Davi like a help me out. Him play along. Ah, David <laughs> bows his head just ever so slightly, and uh, walks up, starts talking like this kid here. How good do you think his Nordic is? It's not so bad, huh? You know. <laughs> and we're just and when I just start chit chatting about how bad or good or whatever his Nordic is initially. The apple is on the table, not in the table. It is in the basket, <laughs> not on the basket. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Apple is feminine. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, all this performance, your walk along the bridge is otherwise mostly generally uneventful. Uh, and you find yourself in front of the half moon. This is a fairly small tavern. From the outside, it's uh, it's pretty narrow, uh, and you open the door. There's a hefty, musty smell, and really only two tables, and a bar, and stairs that go up, just on on the far end of a fairly narrow room. Can already tell I'm not going to like this place. <laughs> it's empty. That's the other thing. This place is empty at the moment. 
Uh, as you, you know, walk in, there's a creak of wood underneath your heel. Actually, this would probably be Mr. Pushka, frankly. And out from uh, out from a, a door behind the bar. Uh, actually, it's not a door. What am I talking about? This place wouldn't have a door. There's a little curtain. Gets pulled aside. Uh, head pokes out. Oh, you. You. I know you two. Uh, right. Hey, Mr. Uh, uh, Gilbert. Hey, Mr. Van. Gilbert. Hey, Mr. Gilbert. <laughs> no, no, it's... Uh, Gilbert is my first name. It's... Never mind. Are you just going straight? I mean, or are you just looking for... Just going straight up. Okay, great. We'll sit, we're gonna and he closes the curtain okay. before you're even done. Mm, my kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> but at least he's not asking any questions. Looking at the stairs, does do I think Push is going to have trouble getting up? Trouble? No. But uh, the stairs do look a bit rickety. Uh, there's definitely going to be noise, and hopefully all the all the stairs are solid enough that... Yeah. As he starts to go up, I tap him, just like, remember, feet as far to the supports as possible, keep your hand on the railing, like I'm talking to a child. Uh, as, as you say this, Mr. Pushka turns, reaches out, Turns back, and as you look, there's no, there's no railing. Oh, <laughs> uh, hold onto the wall as you go up. Mister Pushka turns, hand out. Yeah, clutches the wall, hand out, clutches the wall, step, step, creaking, enormous amounts of creaking underfoot slowly, very slowly up the stairs and behind him you can see in the wall are little dents for uh, for fingers I look at him slowly going up the wall or going up the stairs and go oh, he should have gone last meanwhile um, as yeah. everybody's doing this or as, as he's doing this, everybody's watching Waylon what did Mr. Pushka's hands look like? They surprisingly look like he's wearing armor on his hands that is the same as that distinctive mask that he has. You can only see, if he's going up this way, you can only see one hand, and it is surprisingly massive and may not have all the fingers you were expecting. Like, there's <laughs> definitely a thumb, there's seemingly a very large middle finger, and then maybe two thinner ones off to the side, like that it's getting scalloped armor that's just as as green blue iridescent as his mask sounds like uh, basically he's got all the necessities he's got poseable thumb middle finger to flip people off and a couple other fingers just for grasping whatever else he needs a finger for <laughs> just ornamental yeah so he can do his little cow bunker spider-man thing a pinky to drink tea properly. Yep. <laughs> Derek understands the importance of that. Mr. K has a, a frown on, on his face. Um, doesn't appear safe. Um, crowded. Maybe he's best uh, guard the entrance downstairs. 
Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mr. Pushka. Hold on a second. Up at the top of the stairs. Just kind of slowly turns <laughs> <laughs> creak. <laughs> oh. Hand out to the wall again. Hand oh. out to the wall. Oh. Starts taking steps down. At this point, there's just like gouges <laughs> all the way up and down the wall. Both sides. I get on my tippy toes and just kind of see if I can bump them away. <laughs> Nothing's happening. Okay. This is this is content. Everyone, character <laughs> walks down the stairs for ten minutes. <laughs> is the tavern floor stone or is it? It's uh, wood. Only the it's wood. Oh, so everything's wood. It's gone. <laughs> it's all gone. <laughs> uh, you are not getting back your deposit on this room. <laughs> I I look over at Brez and and Debbie and like. The campaign will pay for this. Great, thanks. Oh boy! All right. Uh, when Pushka gets down, I, I I thank him, and I uh, just go. Like, um, maybe you should wait over there, like underneath the staircase, just out of sight, and uh, you know, be discreet, like we talk about. Mr. Pushka turns starts ambling back towards the stairs right at the bottom of the stairs he kind of turns walks around gets to the side of the stairs and hunches over tries to fit underneath the stairs you can hear a groaning of wood and he just stops that's good that's good that's his small shoulder is under the stairs and that's it Oh, uh, child, you may not realize this, but your friend is quite strange. Oh no, I know. Slowly, I realize. slowly, one hand comes out, thumb comes up. <laughs> and he just powers down a little bit. Okay. Not off, but you can see him relax. Sleep mode. Yeah. I uh, take a deep breath and look back at Res and Davi and I'm like, so, show us your secret lair. Uh, I look at Res and I'm just like, what? I would give the face. I don't say that because Davis doesn't say that. But he gives the face of like, what the f- Oh, he wants to see our honeymoon suite. Come on, everyone. They <laughs> 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 walk in. There's just one bed. Mm-hmm. Oh, relax. I've been sleeping on a cot. My wolf cape is draped on the floor. Uh, It's a relatively small room. Fitting the, frankly, the seven of you in there is a little bit of a squeeze, but it is big enough for two people to be staying there without sharing the same bed. So, spoil sport. <laughs> Look, if you okay, maybe maybe you got a small, you know, single. Uh, I'm not gonna judge what you do or don't do at this motel. Uh, you just said that you know you got a cot, so I assume that there's two beds effectively, one real bed and one semi-real yeah, bed. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Glancing around, so Waylon 
Yes. <laughs> had some alternative sleeping arrangements that he's had to take. But he's wondering what the flea you know, ratio is in a place like this. Does he ask that? No, this is looking around. Aster also has this concern. Yeah. Like, he's not touching the walls or anything yet and just trying to get, like, a... What are the odds I'm going to leave here without being covered in fleas? Roll for fleas. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that a constitution save? I've got a negative modifier on that. The, the, the fleas roll initiative, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's our first yeah. combat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Run from this, motherfuckers. <laughs> I I am feeling a lot of uh a That was the first time Aaron has interjected from upstairs. <laughs> I think that all seven of us crammed in this room is gonna be so overbearing that Wayland at least is gonna say screw it and go downstairs to, to wait in That's the fine. Yeah, the more the open tavern. Which is not as safe, but it's also just crazy congested. It's fine. Yeah, I will I will also do that in that I'm not hiding from anyone. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's right. Derek will also head downstairs to see if he can get a cup of tea and uh, also keep an eye on the child who he feels somewhat protective of. Mr. K, what are you up to? Uh, well, it's a bit hot. So, um, cause there's so, so many people there. Uh, is there a, a window to open to get the flea out or something? <laughs> Uh, sure. Because yeah, there's... or we could see like people approaching from the street. Up in the room, yeah. There's there's a window that you can open, and as you you know, kind of wander over to it, pull the curtain aside. The the room looks out over the street. Okay. Well, I just were everyone who's left in the room. Um, uh, we should prepare for tonight we need to write papers of passage for my friends arise you sign and you show them paper okay gonna show you papers to sign for the passage uh, because um, my friends will arrange passage at the night they need identifications your smuggler friends need identification you like papers of passage, like identity, like identity papers. Is that what these are? Um, it's not identification. It's you are a friend of Mister K. Do not bother friend. Mm, okay. Uh, do you do you need everyone? I mean, uh, to to sign this? No, we, I mean yes, everyone. Uh, because. The group. It's for the group. Okay. Uh, are we are we all good with this? She's asking everybody who's still up in the room. Yes, I'm good with this. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll I'll go get Wayland. Ah, uh, we can start now. The room's too small for everyone. So tell me about this dagger. I say. <laughs> Mr. K is gonna shuffle like into his clothes, trying to grab everything. Get out of his clothes. Uh, 
totally not checking my inventory. Um, <laughs> a quill. Ho <laughs> ho, it's important. And uh, an ink quill. And he's shaking it like, to make sure like it's filled up. He's got those two in his hands. Then he grabs a a small book, kind of the, the the size of his palm, really. But it's um, sort of a badly damaged book. Some of the sheets are loose in it, some are not. The benders all damaged, uh, and clearly liquid has been poured on the book in the past. It's like he's basically getting out old stuff from his coat. And then he put this in one hand, and on in, with his left hand, he uh, grabs a small dagger and just quickly show it to you. Like, doesn't let you hold it unless, of course, you force it because it's a precious family heirloom. Doesn't really want anyone to just grab it, you know. And it is a beautiful knife. It isn't overly ornamental. It's not like covered in jewels or anything like that. But as you as you look at it, it is very finely crafted. It's a handle that it's ergonomic. Looks like it would fit in the hand very well. Uh, the way he holds it, very clearly well balanced. The blade itself, you can see ripples of, of shifting folds in the steel. Very, very finely made. Lovely. I'm sorry it got you in so much trouble with the trolls. Thank you. Puts back the dagger inside his clothes. Sir Kay is shuffling through his book and he's trying to find an empty page. He finds one and just tears it off from the book. And you can guess, yeah, this is why the book is so damaged. It doesn't really take care of it, really. And uh, I don't think there's a table in the room, seems too small for that. So he's gonna take the bed for uh, as a place to write things down. And just, you know, he prepares it. Who's in the room at this point? I know Wayland is downstairs. Aster, you said that you had left. So it's just... Derek went downstairs as well. Okay, so it's just David, Rez, and Kess? And Mr. K, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, Kess wanders over and takes a look at what you're doing and looks at the page. Is there anything on it currently? Currently, no. But, you know, as you prepare, you carefully take the quill, carefully open the uh, inkwell, sorry, and start writing like a few lines. Just a few in uh, probably some intelligible language. So, yeah, unintelligible language. What language is it? I'm curious. <laughs> Specifically, Botong. Okay. But also, kind of badly written. You know, old people and their writing cursives. I see. That kind of badly. Not, like, grammatically wrong. Okay. <laughs> Probably that as well, you know, to be honest. <laughs> so, we just write on this? Yeah, 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 yeah. I give the, the quill to guess. 
She takes the, the, the quill and dips it in the ink. And makes sure she writes correctly. <laughs> dips it in the ink. Uh, and and what's, all, what's all that say? It says... Uh, names of friends and to not look at things we have. Okay? Okay. Kind of gives you a bit of a confused look and puts one hand down on the paper to study it and scrawls her name and the bill uh, off to uh, uh, well, holds it off to, to whoever wants it. A little bit of ink on her palms, uh, or not on her palms, on the on her fingertips. I take it. I assume that that's what he says. It says is what it says as a speaker and reader of Botan. So it's apparently hard to read what he wrote, but does it look vaguely correct? If he if he knows Botung, would it look off? Um, not really. Not really off, or not really wrong, uh, right? Both. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I you know uh, you know it's it's clearly written in Botung, right? But the meaning of the words doesn't really make sense. You know, maybe it's like Mister K has his own like. Thing going on with this river friends. It's like in gibberish, gibberish. So it's like a code. I mean, it, is it a roll, Nami? Is it a roll? <laughs> uh, I mean, this is up to you. Like, this is entirely. It is a code. It is okay. A code. It's a code. <laughs> All right. So yeah, it, I guess it. it looks like uh it's not quite correct but it looks very intentional in 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 the lettering and the writing all right i sign a fake name and hand it off same you know just like a little i mean not even really a name just more like a it's like whenever you sign stuff at like uh at, when you buy stuff at like walgreens now you just like scribble 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 you know <laughs> then... well looking at this at this paper Mr. K, the three names that are on it do seem to get increasingly illegible and questionable, but you have three signatures on here. What are you doing now? I'm gonna clean up the quill before it dries. So you're gonna take a moment? Gonna take a moment. Okay. Rez. David. I'm going to need a constitution saving throw. And Cass is also taking one. Hey, 19. Nine. Uh, 22. Cass and Rez both feel your bodies lock up. Your muscles refusing to listen and just tightening and tightening and tightening what have we done david you can feel your muscles beginning to tighten too but you're able to push through it it is exhausting though this act 
of pushing through whatever is suddenly coursing through your veins. You take one level of exhaustion. All three of you, really. Rez, you're frozen. You are effectively petrified. Same with Kess. Mr. K, what are you doing? I start playing with my dagger. This is not good. Did... When they locked up, did they fall over? No, not yet. They're freezing in place, having trouble. Davies, what are you doing? I, uh... So I, you know, I power through this exhausted, like the good northerner I am, I always have my weapons on me, right? So I grip my greatsword, pull it out, like not as fast as I usually do, but pull it out. I point it at Kevin. I say, what did you do to us, old man? Mr. K. Just curve a smile on his face. I would like to point out it's an evil smile. <laughs> okay. I think that was implied. You don't say. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I, I yell back at him. It's like, you know, release my friends. Stop this at once. Uh, Will those of us downstairs hear a yell? I was about to say, give me a perception check. See if anybody can hear him. Uh, you are a floor away. That's a four. So it's going to be 15 is the DC. Oh, 19. 30, 20. Oh, okay. So, Derek, you are nose deep in a book. Of course. Prob might even be your own notebook. It is. But you don't notice anything. Meanwhile, Astrid and Wayland, you both hear a shout from upstairs. I'm going to say this probably requires initiative. It's up to you whether you actually fight, but it seems like uh, we're going to need to start taking turns. That said, I'm going to go and give Mr. K one more turn before the initiative order actually starts. A surprise roll? If you want, <laughs> if you want to do something in it. That seems pretty surprising. <laughs> I would like to attack Kes. Mm. With Assassin. I have advantage on attack roll against any creature that hasn't taken a turn in the combat yet. In addition, any hit you score against a creature that is surprised at critical hit. I would say that, frankly, surprised, petrified, more or less the same thing. Can't really react here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do I do this again? Well, you start by rolling a <laughs> d20. Is that a regular D&D &D subclass? Yeah, yeah. It's a. Okay. It's one of the core rogue subclasses. Okay. Okay. So yeah, you start by rolling a d20. Done. Would you roll? Eight. Well, um, that was with advantage. You rolled twice. Fourteen. Uh, I need my month's fire, though, no? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's an attack roll, so you should. Uh, it's going to be quicker. Next roll. <laughs> <laughs> uh, plus eight, so I'm not good at math. I'm not good at math. 22. Okay. Yeah, that absolutely hits. There's no question about that. 
roll damage. And since it is a critical, you roll dice twice. Rather, all dice are doubled. Can someone roll for me? I sure. don't have a d4. Sure. <laughs> sure. Oh, fuck me. Um, that's eight. So that's nine damage total. You can see the masterwork beautiful dagger slides into Kess's side uh, right underneath a rib pulls out and you can see even though her muscles are tightened and she's unable to move there's almost a just a gasp and a uh, crumples over very slightly um, her muscles still holding her standing because they are not unclenching but there's a weakness there what did everybody roll for initiative 16 12 16 18 14 res i'll roll for cast that is a 16 uh, and what did mr k roll 14. 14. Okay. What is your dexterity, Mr. K? It's kind of personal. <laughs> <laughs> well, it determines who goes first between you and, uh, and Rez. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's, it's five. Plus five, you mean? Christ. Uh, yeah, plus five. Okay. So I actually rolled a nine. Uh, so I'm going to assume you don't have that high, Rez. Not quite. Okay. Derek. What are you doing? Uh, so I, do I at this point notice that there's a commotion? I'm going to say that uh, during Mr. K's special turn, the others, you notice their reaction to the commotion. Derek will look up and kind of stare around wildly and at the, the noise and hubbub around him and gripping his logbook in his free hand will run up the stairs to see what's going on. You uh, run up the stairs and you can see, I'm going to assume the door was closed because uh, privacy. So yeah, you run up the stairs and there's really only two or three doors up here. You know which one it is because you were in the room briefly, but it's closed. You don't see anything. Can I throw the door open or would I use my whole turn running upstairs? You could throw the door open I think, yeah. It's a small very small establishment. Uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll throw the door open. What do I see inside? You see Mr. K standing next to Kess pulling as he pulls the knife out of her out of her side dripping with blood. You can see her entire side is now beginning to quickly turn crimson. She and Rez are standing rather... They look uncomfortable, but frankly, they don't really look like they're reacting to what's going on very much. Uh, and then off in the corner, you can see David, who... Uh, David, what are, what are you looking like in this moment? Um, I mean, I'm just like... I got a mean face on, and still gripping my sword and I mean I'm I'm ready to throw down because I mean this guy has uh, tricked us all basically or at least the three of us like 
looks like there's a heavy weight on his shoulders too. Like that that sword looks surprisingly heavy. Yeah. I'm tuckered out. Oh dear. Uh I assume that was my whole turn getting up here and getting through the door. I th- I think so. I think let's say bashing the door open is probably your action. So if you got a bonus action, uh you can do it, but otherwise Wayland it's your turn. Oh, actually, as bonus uh, bonus action, I can I can do my bardic inspiration, right? Sure, sure. I am going to turn, seeing uh, David in need of help. I'm going to call out to him, please save our friend, and uh, attempt to inspire him to do so. Waveland, David, and Kess all got the same role. Kess being petrified is not really part of this right now, so Waveland, David. Whichever one of you would like to go first, I'm letting you decide. Go for it. You're in the room. Makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I have my greatsword in my hand, like, and I mean, I'm ready to go. So I'm going to take my greatsword and just try and take a big old chop out of Kevin's shoulder. Just <laughs> chop that. Um, yeah. And uh, so let's do that. Let's. Uh, that's a fifteen. I just rolled. It's 15 hit, Mr. K. 15? No. 15 does not hit the special Mr. K. <laughs> Wait, uh, Bardic Inspiration. Uh, did you take that into account? Oh. Uh, you may wish to. Yeah, you don't have to no. use it, but you certainly can. I did not. Um, and how do I take that into account? An extra D6 if you choose to use it. I'll do it my next hit because I already kind of went through that and I don't want to kind of go back and then knowing that I didn't hit and then I, you know. Is there anything else you would like to do on your turn? Anything else you can do? So I guess I whiffed it. And uh, yeah, now it's just like so heavy to pick it back up. And I'm like, Davis is visibly confused at like how exhausted he is. Like I shouldn't be this exhausted. I don't get tired like this. Yeah, the you have you have trained with the sword a lot before, and it is suddenly ten times heavier than any sword you've picked up, and all of that extra effort you are just you can't quite bring it down where you need it to go. I guess assuming that you have no bonus actions or anything, Wayland, what are you what are you doing? So because the way that you know relationship with Pushko works. First thing I'm going to do is use my bonus action to stand up and look at him and just shout, protect our friends, and point towards the top of the stairs. And then I just run straight up the staircase and into the room, not even thinking about, you know, being smart and grabbing a weapon or anything like that, just running up and probably just getting inside the room. Uh, Mr. Pushka is faster than me. He's got a a base speed of 40, so I don't know how far that would put him into the room. And then by defend our friends, I would take that to mean that he would attack Mr. K. Yeah, so in these moments, as you turn to go up the stairs, I mean, yes, mechanically you go first, but I think realistically kind of around the same time. Yeah, as you turn to, to run up the stairs, Mr. Pushka spins his shoulder kind of Pulling out from the from under the the stairs where he stuffed himself, a few splinters flying, leaps and in, in 
bounding steps, kind of clomps up these stairs. Uh, as you're chasing after, you can see there are some of these, these stair planks are shattered a bit under his weight uh, and the force of him running. Uh, how does he attack? Because, yeah, he's going to bound into the room and upon seeing Kess start forcing his way onto Mr. K. So he has a force-empowered rend. It's a melee attack, your spell attack modifier to hit, and it is, well, 1d8 plus my proficiency in force damage. So my spell attack modifier is what I roll, I guess? Mm-hmm. So, okay, so I'm just adding the spell attack to whatever I roll. Yeah, Okay, yeah. spell attack bonus to whatever. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right. Sorry, everybody. First combat of the campaign. <laughs> yep. Uh, Mr. Pushko rolls a 12. All right. Mr. K, these gigantic arms, mismatched arms, spin, reaching towards you. The smaller, the first arm hits you, grabs onto your shoulder, and then as the larger arm comes out, down, threatening to, to smash you as it grabs the other shoulder, you kind of twist out and the first arm falls a little bit limply to the floor as the heavy arm just smashes into the ground, damaging the, the, the wooden floorboards. Anything else you're doing? I think that's all I can do. Um, yeah, I mean, if I get up behind there, Nah, I, I wouldn't. It'd be kind of cheesy if I tried to get my weapon off of him because my weapon is on Mr. Pushka, but that doesn't really work. I mean, if you say so. So yeah, uh, you you chase after Mr. Pushka, running into the room, shortly behind him, seeing this lovely old woman who has taken an interest in you, who has made your grumpy grandfather the brightest shade of bright red that you've ever seen him wear. She is now wearing not quite the same, but a darker red all down her right side. Oh, Waylon sees red at this point too. As soon as he sees the the blood in her, like it's just like white noise and the, it is all he hears and he just, he's waiting for six seconds to pass. Kess's turn. Mr. K, you are up next. She is petrified. She can do nothing except roll a constitution save. That is a four. She suffers another level of exhaustion. Now, since I know we have some folks who are fairly new to D&D here, who may not have actually dealt with the exhaustion mechanics, the way this works is that for every level of exhaustion you get, there are increasingly worse symptoms. Level one is disadvantage on ability checks. Level two, your speed is halved. Level three, disadvantage on attack rolls and saving throws. Level four, hit point maximum is halved. Level five, your speed is reduced to zero, and if you reach level six, you are dead. And mind you, I, uh, I rolled a 19 on my first comm check and it didn't pass, so. Yeah. <laughs> Kill this guy. Kill him dead. Speaking of which, Mr. K, it is your turn. Um, Dylan, um, earlier I did say that I was like drawing up the quill and sort of tidying up things. Mm -hmm. 
Is it okay if I if we assume that despite I didn't explicitly say it, I have the inkwell in my pocket right now? I mean, that sounds fairly reasonable. You were cleaning up in that initial convert very short conversation with uh, David. I uh, I will take it from the pocket and raise it in a threatening way. And Mr. K wouldn't pass on a joke about the quill is mightier than the sword. <laughs> why, why don't you actually give us the joke? <laughs> oh, yeah. Mr. K is speaking third person. That's kind of the joke. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's a uh, whoo! Spits, you know. Or easy. Okay, so yeah, Mr. Mr. K just take the inkwell, just raise it above his head. And he's sort of looking at the group, looking at Cass. Not sure what to do exactly. Like, ah, do I, do I finish Cass? Do I do this? Can you tell me, Dylan? The room seems like there are a lot of people in the room right now. Is it getting crowded to a point where it's getting harder and harder to fight? It is certainly beginning to get that way. This is a fairly small room, and you now have six people plus Mr. Pushka in it. So there is still room to fight, especially someone with your skills, but it is very crowded. Um, I'll attack once again. Kiss. All right. Oh, shit. It is a so uh, I rolled a nine uh, with advantage. Yes, or? with advantage. I should I should clarify by the way. I keep saying petrified. Uh, the actual condition is paralyzed, not petrified. Um, just for anybody who wants to hold me to the actual mechanics. It is <laughs> a fourteen plus eight twenty-two. That hits. Yeah. You need the fours again? Uh, please. Give him the fours! Sounds like a threat. Not the fours! You got three this time. And this time I'll use sneak attack. Alright. Are you, Do you want to roll your six? Or do you need uh, me to... Do I have a... Uh, sorry, anything that hits paralyzed creature is automatically a critical hit. So you don't do 1d6, you do 2d6. Oh, oh, the sneak attack gets doubled too. Yeah, yeah, all dice get doubled. Oh. That is a 11 for a d6. Cass, despite the paralytic, I guess technically it would be a venom, the poison, paralytic poison that is running through her veins, fully collapses at this point. Two wounds in her side, just puddling into a little pool of blood around her. You can see she's just writhing in pain ever so slightly, struggling against the effects of the poison. Is that it for your turn, Mr. Kai? 
I'm gonna try to get close to the window. So you're moving away? Oh yeah. Uh, Shouldn't that give an opportunity attack for Pushka? Depends on how far. I'm gonna disengage. I think disengage is a full action. Rogues can use it as a bonus action. Oh shit, yes you can. Yeah, with cunning action. Damn dirty rogues. Freaking rogues. <laughs> <laughs> Does disengage work for everybody who's threatening you or just one person? Everyone. It is basically you're disengaging from a fight. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty, pretty powerful um, when done right. Oh shit. Your sneak attack does 3d6. Oh. Yeah, sneak attack goes up with level. You are Jesus. level 6. Your sneak attack is six is 3d6. Oh, yeah. You're critting, so that's 6d6. Oh, jeez. Well, shit. Oh, jeez. I, I messed up. I didn't read that page. It's okay. It's okay. We just had to read the rules. If you want to roll 4d6 now, we can add that to the damage that you did. So I roll two more. So it's six in total, I'm saying, right? Uh, yeah, so you would actually be rolling four more dice, I believe. Uh, so f I just did four more. It's 16. If Cass doesn't writhe in pain anymore. She just begins to go a little bit limp as you disengage and make your way to the window. Rez, give me a constitution saving throw. <laughs> you were so close. There's exactly one in 20 chance that I could, right? Oh, do you not have any bonuses to come? I guess not. No. Yeah. Well, um, you take another level of exhaustion. Your speed is halved. Aster. I am... Running up into the room, once I see what is happening, standing in the doorway will cast before thinking Scorching Ray aimed at Mr. K, which is three fireballs. The first is a 24 to hit. The second is a 19 to hit. And... The last one does not hit, it's the seven. Do both of those first two hit, Mr. K? Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna use Uncanny Dodge to have the damage. My first one was a natural 20. Shit. So does that, yeah, that balance it out? It doesn't balance it out because a nat 20 just doubles the dice. Okay, I mean, yeah. It, it, clo it, it comes close to balancing out though. Okay, so it'll be 3d6 and then he'll half the damage? Uh, yeah, yeah. Get wrecked, loser! <laughs> and eight. That one does 16 fire damage, so half would be eight. Um, and then the next one does nine fire damage. Takes 17 damage, Mr. K. And as a bonus action, I am going to cast Shield of Faith on myself. And then if I have enough movement left, I'm going to go to stand in front of Cast. Shield of Faith, you said? Yeah. 
as you move and stand over her, you clutch your clutch your holy symbol. The air around you just kind of begins to shimmer as you sit there and protect your aunt. That's all I can do in my turn. Derek, what are you doing? David, you're up next. Mm-hmm. Uh, Help. Jeez, Derek's options are a little bit limited because uh, my, my only real aggressive actions are all large area effects. Fireball the room. <laughs> End the campaign right here. Yep. Burn the whole bridge down. Derek is staring at Kess on the ground and just sees red. And it feels feels an emotion coming over himself that he's not used to. Uh, this this urge to protect, but also this rage at betrayal and at his friend being hurt. And he, uh, Mr. K is by the window, right? Yes. He is. He has disengaged and made his way over to the window. Uh, how how close around him are other people? It's a fairly small room, so mm-hmm. him moving over to the window and disengaging, uh, he's still... I would say that he's out of range of Mr. Pushka at this point, because Mr. Pushka is going to be the most difficult to make his way over to him. Aster and uh, Kess, he's out of range, uh, out of like melee combat range of... The rest of you, he's probably still within melee, if only because he can't really get out of it. Then Derek is going to do something that he probably shouldn't, and if he was thinking it through, wouldn't be doing, but he is going to reach to his belt and draw his short sword and lunge in blade first. Are you attacking old man? Come on. (laughs) You're damn right I am. Point of order, Derek. Yeah. Don't you have the sword that you found in Kelfall? Oh, yeah. I just never added it to my character sheet because that was... Uh, I had totally forgotten about that now. That was so long ago before... I... Okay. Yeah, I don't have the, uh, the, the info on that sword, though. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I forgot to ever add that when I switched over to the online character sheet. Yeah, I'm 99% sure I remember it. So I'm going to uh, homebrew this. If it's wrong, uh, we'll fix it later. But as you all watch, this quiet, anxious little man runs in and pulls out a short sword, long, thin blade that, as you look at it, it seems to flicker a little bit. There's almost something crackling down it, and as as he swings out to hit Mr. K, or I guess to impale him, probably, make a roll. Uh, I had already okay, done that yeah. when I lunged in. Uh, it's a 21 to hit. Uh, roll damage. Plus a d6. Uh, that should have been more climactic. That's four. That is both. Oh, five. Sorry. Okay. Wait, no, no, four. Just four. You lunge out, and Mr. K, as you are 
making your way over to the window, you feel a blade burning as it skims past your, your arm, slicing you open, and just hurting a hell of a lot more than it should. Is there anything else you're doing, Derek? Okay, not not to metagame here, but uh, when when someone is paralyzed, can they still, like, say, add uh, Bardic Inspiration to a, a roll, like a con check? Could, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. I would assume so, I want to verify them. Then, uh, yeah, I'll, I'm going to turn to Rez and say, for God's sake, wake up! <laughs> David, what are you doing? I'm, I'm ready, like, I'm ready to swing again. Um, uh, that's a 12. So, uh... Is that it? Oh, yeah, it hits. Oh, it does, right, okay. Yeah. You got it. Alright, then. Um, okay, so let me do my damage. That's uh, 2d6 plus 2. That's 10. Your great sword lumbering around. It's really heavy, but it just means it drops that much harder as you slash across the back of this fleeing assassin. Only one attack. Does it, like, rip his shirt open a little bit? Tell me, does it rip your shirt open? It does rip your shirt open. Exposing your back, and it clearly... Uh, it, you might be an old man, but, like, you've, you've been working out. Oh, definitely. Thank you. <laughs> like, this guy's not as old and frail as he gets you. Rippling back abs. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, what, what were you going to say, Mr. K? Uh, I was going to say that, um, yeah, clearly, like, my, my cloak, like, my cloak, my, my coat, like, split open, falls in the room. Anything else, David? I want to take an additional action using Action Surge and All right. roll to slice his ass again. Get wrecked! Uh, that's, a, that's an eight. Uh, to attack? Uh, yeah, that's my turn. Roll again. You have yeah, advantage. You, yeah, you've got advantage. Yeah, you have advantage. Okay. Oh. Alright, I can't. Uh, let's roll this one. Uh, that's a 15. Yes. Consider using your Bardic Inspiration if you need it. Choose it. <laughs> um, Alright, I'll use that. I, I got a 15. I already hit you. Yeah. He already hit you, right? I have 16 as AC. His last roll was a 12. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was twelve. Yeah, it was twelve. I thought the last fifteen didn't well, yeah, hit. Yeah, yeah. I was confused too about that. Okay, uh, you it's used not your... a twenty. Uh, no, it was a twelve. It was a twelve. <laughs> it was twelve. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. Your your last uh, attack. You used your bardic inspiration. That's why you hit. We are messy bitches today. <laughs> okay. It's okay. Hey, it's we okay. haven't done combat before. Cut us yeah. some slack. Oh, it's midnight. For some, for some of you, yeah. Some of us don't have that kind of excuses. Um, yeah. So I mean, that this one was a fifteen. Uh, the last one was whatever plus the inspiration, so that worked. But yeah, this, yeah. I guess this one misses. You know, AC is sixteen. But do we consider that he actually split open my armor, which would mean I don't have armor anymore, and it's fifteen? 
I, since that was entirely narrative, I leave that one up to you. Do you want to give him this extra hit? Sure. Okay, yeah. give us damage. Okay. All right, all right. Our guest said, fuck me ten. up. That's another 10 right there. <laughs> all right. I cost blood. <laughs> but you're still standing, yeah? Yep. All right, Waylon, go. Waylon grabs his crossbow off of Mr. Pushka, levels it, and fires. That's going to be plus six, which is a 22. I had actually thought I was going to hit. I would have grabbed the right die for that. <laughs> it's a eight plus one, three damage on him. And as a bonus action, looks at Mr. Pushka and just says, Poncho off, buddy. Take him out. And as Mr. Pushka throws off his poncho, you can see that there's no way in hell that this is a man in armor. This is a hunched over figure who would be close to eight feet tall if he stood upright. There are massive holes where there should be anatomy there. But you can see that he would have two sets of massive arms, he has one. He would have two sets of normal sized arms underneath and he's one of those. And the texture of his body is somewhere between glass and chitin and everything, everything is the same techno-organic co you know, color of his mask. It's all this iridescent, green, purple, blue metallicness. And as he tosses off the poncho, oh, and where one of his arms should be, there is a nice, huge socket there, which Wayland has turned into a cushion, so he can sit on that and ride. And as he throws his poncho off, he leaps at the assailant to try to take him down or take him out the window. Give me an attack roll. This Is this the Ren's uh, action again? Or is it just a general attack? What if he tries to grab him? You know, I don't know how to do grappling. Or... Grappling is... Uh, it's a strength check. Yeah, it's, well, it's uh, athletics versus either athletics or acrobatics, depending on what the other person wants to do. Uh, he can do that. He's got athletics. Okay. Let's do So, yeah, he, he is going to... And is he get advantage because he's flanking? On that, I don't think so, because it's not an attack roll. All right, I think what he would do is leap at him and with his massive arm, just try to grab him and pull him in so that he is easier for everybody else to kill. So give us give us a roll. All right, that is plus two. And Mr. K? 17. Give us a opposed roll, either acrobatics or athletics. You have to beat a 17. Uh, it's gonna be acrobatics. Fuck. Say <laughs> numbers is hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, numbers is hard. It's just an eight. Do you want to describe it or shall I? I mean, I guess I just almost did. You know, he's all of a sudden he's a lot lighter on his feet than when he was lumbering around pretending to be a person. He throws himself, launches across the small room grabs him with his big arm, pulls him in, wraps a smaller arm around him, and then spins around to bash his own his back against the wall. So now he's holding the assassin so the assassin is facing everybody else in the room. Get rotated, loser! <laughs> this is all out of character commentary, by the way. <laughs> no, that's totally in character. Since I was taken out of the uh, out of the fight, I get to be the peanut gallery. I think that's totally fair. That's fair. All right, Mr. K, what are you doing? Inazia, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I'm 
grapple and you know to be honest I'm not feeling alright I think Mr. K needs some um we need to rest a bit I would like Dylan to sneakily if possible if physically possible open the inkwell that I had in my right hand and dip my own finger into it. That is going to require a sleight of hand check at disadvantage because you're grappled. Perfect. Well, I got a nat 20. Well, and then... that one obviously isn't getting used. <laughs> yeah. <gasps> it's a nat 12. Which comes to... Which comes to... 23. Wait, 23? I got double proficiency on it. Holy shit. Jeez, uh, you're... He does have a 20 dex, so... I was prepared. Pro proficiency and probably expertise, right? Yeah. Yeah, to get plus 11. Yeah, rogues get scary good at skill checks. Yeah, you are able to while you are in this kind of really awkward grasp as you're being spun around while everyone is stepping back and giving Pushka space to do this, you are slowly reaching in between the the massive arms and into uh, what remains of, I don't know, with this, your coat's on the floor, so actually where the hell are you reaching in? How did my hand? Ah, yes, yes. Remember, I put it out in a threatening way. Ah, yes. Okay. But they ignore the threat. So. Yeah. As a free action, I will. I would like to, like, Mr. K, just start cracking after. <laughs> help me! Help me! I'm an old man. <laughs> but you know, I still have my finger in it. So. Res. Give us that con check. Oh, yes. How do you like that? A nat 20. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I can I can sell that a little better. <laughs> <laughs> Your muscles slowly unclench as you willfully forcing your body to listen to you once again. Your joints, you can almost feel them creaking as you get things to move. Oh, what are you doing with your turn now that you have it again? Swearing first. Priorities. An excellent use of your turn. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Who is that sleight of hand check opposing? Did I see him do that with the inkwell? Uh, that sleight of hand check was really about whether or not he'd be able to do it while all this is going on. If you want to make a... Actually, no, he's laughing about it. You may not have seen how he got it open, but you see it open with his finger in it, and he's laughing. Great. Rez falls back onto the bed and says, Kista! and then lashes out with mage hand and grabs the poison bottle out of his hand, just pulls it away from him so it can't get on anyone else. Are you trying to hold on to it, Mr. K? I know you're paralyzed. I'm asking kind of how you were holding it, really. Yeah, like how uh, hard is it? To okay, it breaks my fingers. 
Uh, Mage Hand shouldn't be able to apply that much pressure, but we'll say rule of cool it. Old man fingers. You rip it away. You can hear a, a sickening crack as you rip the, the bottle out of his hands. Aster, is there anything you would like to do before we leave initiative? I'm just going to cast Cure Wounds on Kess. That's uh, a nine. It's, she gets she gets nine health. Okay. I think we're going to end it there for the week. Thank you all very, very much. We now officially have a dying assassin, a stabilized question mark, Cass, and a lot of feelings. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you all. Uh, before we go, I would like to let our audience know this was us offboarding Becca's character, Kess. She has welcomed a new young one into her life, and we wish her the best. It has been wonderful and an honor having her with us. She was supposed to be here for the session, but uh, some kids are impatient. Uh <laughs> I would also like to thank Malik for stepping in as our guest assassin. <laughs> okay, Dylan always cast me as evil guy. It's not my fault. <laughs> yeah, and this is this is what you do with a successful heal. You boo them. It was a good performance. <laughs> boo! We hate you. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the last two characters that Malik has guested when he's come to visit our uh, table have turned out helping the players. So this is really a first, but... The, the first one definitely um, tried to kill us first, so... Yes. Yeah, first, first. You know, potato-tomato. <laughs> yeah, uh, After ten turns, I stop, okay. <laughs> Malik was in the first party that I ever ran in the world of Athuma many, many years ago when it was basically unrecognizable to what it is now. And it is always a joy having him come back and visit the world again. Children of Ash is Jesse as Wayland Thrupp, Josh is Derek Henridge, Juliet is Aster Morestes, Peter is David Davidson, and Valentine as Rez Orr. My name is Dylan, and I have had the pleasure of being your storyteller this evening. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Fester Spunk, and this episode features sound design by Tabletop Audio. I know this episode took longer than we would like to release, but we should be back to our regularly scheduled programming after this. But you know what you should do, just in case? That's right, you should join our Discord, follow us on Facebook, or support us on Patreon. All of these places, you will get updates, know exactly where we are in our production schedule. 
Also, patrons get early access to episodes, a special status on the Discord server, and they help us pay for equipment and other things that provide you, the listener, with a better experience. We're also working to put together an expanded set of perks, so stay tuned for that. Links to all of these can be found in the episode description, or just follow the breadcrumbs from our Linktree page at linktr.ee slash thechildrenofash. We love you all, and we'll see you down the run. Hello. 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 Let's let's have that be a little bit more um, excited <laughs> rather than feeling like your you know parents just died. Say hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>